From VT Digger, I'm Mike Dougherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, lawmakers are back in the virtual state house to talk about Vermont's budget. And while it looks like there won't be major cuts this year, leaders are already taking a long-term view of how COVID-19 will hit the state's finances. Thank you, Governor. Can everybody hear me okay? Back on August 12th, the state's emergency board met on a Zoom call to discuss the economic situation. State economist Jeff Carr said the damage from COVID-19 was massive. And so when we look at things out there, certainly um, the speed and depth uh, of the economic uh, downturn that happened as a result of the uh, the pandemic, uh, we basically put the economy in a medically induced coma while we dealt with the public health issues. And now what we're trying to do is we're going through the process now of balancing the further public health measures that are needed with reopening the economy and trying to limit uh, the permanent damage. Our reporter Xander Landon is covering the budget process. Basically, the point of the e-board meeting is to adjust the state's revenue forecasts. And what that means is take a look at um, how well the state's taxes have been performing over the last six months and make an adjustment to the state's projected revenue forecasts. That's really the main reason that you know you have these meetings is so that the legislature and the governor have a precise accounting of how much money they have at their disposal to spend as they are crafting a spending proposal. So I have to imagine the onset of COVID-19 has had an impact on what those numbers look like. Big time. You know, I think back to 10 years ago, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009, and I thought that that was my terrible recession of my professional career. And obviously, because of what's happened with the pandemic and the associated you know, public health actions uh, to address it, um, we're in a situation where we've, I think, simultaneously had the most significant and the um, most accelerated um, economic downturn in our economic history. So the e-board itself is staffed with the governor, of course. And in addition to him, you have the sort of senior lawmakers who are in charge of the committees that deal with the budget and taxes. So the appropriations committees chairs and the tax committee chairs in the House and the Senate. And uh, they're advised by two economists. You have Jeff Carr, who's the economist for the governor's administration. And then you have Tom Cavett, who's the economist for the legislature. We're in an unusual situation, and it's not just unusual because we're meeting in August, but um, right now we have an economy that's largely being driven by um, non-economic events. Uh, Obviously, the pandemic is an issue, and uh, right now we're trying to figure out whether or not, or the timing of when we're going to get another fiscal stimulus um, from the federal government, which is going to be helpful to continue to help uh, the economy uh, that is struggling. The main thing that Jeff Carr and Tom Cavett are saying is that this downturn that we're facing is really wholly related and cannot be divorced from the pandemic that's going on. The pandemic forced the economy to shut down in Vermont and all over the country. Um, There is, you know, people are unemployed at the height of the unemployment in the state. 
um, back in the spring, there were about 100,000 people regularly filing for unemployment benefits. So if you have people who are, aren't employed, you have you know less tax revenue, you have less spending in the economy. And plus, you know the fact that businesses haven't been able to operate at 100% since March. Restaurants, retailers, there's just less of an economy to work with. And that means that you're going to have less revenue. We put some statistics um, in our in our reports. Um, you know, you look at what's happened in downturns of the previous six or seven, and this one is off the charts bad. At the beginning of all of this, the projections for how the state's revenues would be impacted was actually a lot worse than it's actually turned out to be. The initial, you know, revenue impact was something like four hundred million dollars this year. Wow! But that has been really reduced since May or April when that projection came out. It's about, you know, in this this year we're actually facing, it's still a huge deficit, but it's a budget gap of about $180 million. $180 million that economists say uh, we would have probably had in the bank account, in the state's bank, but for this crisis. Hmm. Luckily, that $180 million the governor was able to deal with it pretty easily because of how well the economy performed in 2019, the year before the pandemic happened. Good morning, everyone. Kind of the next step in this process is that the governor and his administration present what their proposal for this budget is going to look like. What are the big takeaways from what his team comes out with? I think that the big takeaway was that a lot of people were expecting that the governor's budget would include a lot more drastic budget cuts. Uh, it's a budget that we were able to um, create without any additional taxes, um, increased fees, or um, remarkably, no use of our, our reserves. And it was prepared, I think, really important to, to note that this was prepared under current law. Uh, and current Treasury guidance around how we can spend coronavirus relief funds. When you hear a $180 million budget deficit and you take into account that Vermont's budget is only, if you include both state and federal money, about $6 billion in spending, hmm. that's a big chunk of the budget that you're you're losing, $180 million. That's a large chunk. So... There had been a lot of talk about how, because of COVID-19, we're going to have to see a lot of cutting and slashing of programs. We're going to have to see some tough decisions being made. But there were some other factors going on that sort of softened the blow quite a bit. Uh, for those of you who listened to the uh, Joint Fiscal Committee meeting last week and then followed by the Emergency Board meeting, you're probably up to speed on this. But uh, we ended fiscal uh, 20, June 30th a sizable surplus. Because in 2019, before the pandemic was happening, we saw a very good year for the economy. People were earning a lot of money in general. Overall, the economy was strong, um, particularly people at the top end of the economy were doing very well, the richest, most wealthy people in Vermont. You had this big surplus, a surplus of about $110 million that people weren't expecting. Hmm. And people you know, were paying those taxes in 2020, the year when the pandemic hit, but those taxes were reflecting a different time a year prior. Uh, so a combination of uh, very strong uh, revenues that came in in July, 
uh, as well as the budget adjustment um, that we did in, uh, signed in June, resulted in a $130 million surplus for fiscal year 20, uh, which we will put to work in fiscal year 21. That really went a long way. I mean, that's like more than half of the budget deficit right there. Plus, there were a bunch of other things that, in a way, the state got lucky. The federal government increased the amount at which it matches what the state pays for Medicaid. You know, in the wake of the pandemic, they started giving us more money for our Medicaid program, which means that the state doesn't have to spend as much as it did previously on Medicaid. There were also some measures that were taken to cut back government spending. The administration asked agencies to look for savings, and some agencies and departments cut their spending by 3%, 5%. And then in some ways, state government hasn't had to spend as much because it's not operating the way it used to. State parks opened up very late, for example, in the season. They're not staffed at full capacity, so there are some savings in that realm. In addition, the government's also benefited from a huge windfall in federal money that the federal government gave Vermont in the wake of the pandemic. It gave it us $1.25 billion to deal with expenses related to COVID. So the government itself in Vermont hasn't had to spend as much of its state dollars as it might have on the pandemic response because it's been buoyed by the feds. Got it. You're saying each of those little things, when you add up all the numbers, that basically plugs this $180 million hole. Yeah, and and then some. I mean, in, in overall, I think this budget spends less than the budget last year did. We'll have a moment of silence to reflect before we start our session today. So the next step in this whole process is for the legislature to reconvene as they did this week and start this session to kind of hash out what in that proposal actually makes it to the finish line. What's generally been the reaction of legislative leaders so far? I think that legislative leaders are happy that things didn't get as drastic as in this budget as they had feared they, they might have to. I, there are a few sort of sticking points. And I think the biggest one at this point has to do with the Vermont State Colleges. Back in April, the Vermont State College's former chancellor, Jeb Spaulding, proposed closing three college campuses in order to save money. Uh, the colleges have not been doing well financially. They've had low enrollment. They've had a variety of you know, financial issues. So to save money, Jeb Spaulding proposed closing campuses. And this led to an uproar, both from the governor, the legislature, the public. People were not happy at this proposal. And at the time, lawmakers said, we got to think about how to restructure the colleges. We need to figure out how to make them viable and sustainable over time. But that's not something we can do on a dime. We need to buy some time here. And basically, they said, what we're going to do is we're going to give the colleges some money so that they can survive for a year while we look at ways to restructure in the long term. And they, they said that, you know, so we're going we're gonna to give them some funding, and they called it bridge funding, to get to the point where you have the time and you can come up with a plan, a strategy for viability in the long term. And so there's already been some funding of this bridge money, but they still say that they need about $24 million in additional money. Hmm. And in the governor's budget, he does not directly include that money. What he does, and this is kind of a technical thing, but he says that if the federal government gives the states more flexibility with how it can use the money that it's already provided, this state colleges can use that money to help them get through the year and deal with their budget 
shortfall. But that is conditional on the federal government giving more flexibility to the states for how that money can be used. And the state legislators are concerned about that. The state colleges are concerned about that. And they want to know that the money's going to be guaranteed and it's going to be there and it's going to be able to get them through the year. And do we have any idea how likely that's going to be that the feds are going to introduce some flexibility with their relief funds? You know, I think that it's likely because they're every state is complaining about this right now. The whole situation with that is that the feds gave the states this money that they can use to cover expenses related to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. But there's not currently permission to use the money to fill holes or gaps in budgets. And that's one of the biggest things that states are dealing with is that because they have less tax revenue, they have these big holes in their budgets and the, the feds don't give states permission to use the money for that purpose right now. So there's been a lot of lobbying to change that. And there's talk that as you know, Congress is debating the next round of COVID-19 aid, that this might change. But there's also no guarantee of that. It hasn't happened yet, even as the federal government has known that this is a problem for states. So it's sort of up in the air, but we're expecting some kind of additional relief from the feds in the coming weeks. But we don't yet know exactly what that's going to look like. So the legislators are kind of proceeding as if that's not coming just to be safe. Is that kind of the deal? Yeah, I just think that there are some things like with the state colleges and uh, maybe some other aspects of the budget where they don't want to take the gamble that the feds are going to come through. Uh, because if they didn't, then the state colleges would have to find ways to cut $23 million worth of their spending. And they've indicated that if that happens, it may look like something similar to what Jeb Spalding proposed earlier this year, closing campuses, making drastic cuts. Got it. Thank you. Um, I'm Senator Jane Kitchell, Chair of Senate Appropriations. And I want to welcome everyone to this joint House and Senate uh, public hearing on the governor's restatement of the 20 fiscal year 2021 budget. Uh, and right now, the legislature is holding these public hearings where all these different interests are showing up to try and kind of describe why they need certain allocations from the budget. One other proposal that has been getting a lot of attention is a proposal that would actually funnel some coronavirus relief money to undocumented workers who so far have not been eligible to receive any of that aid. Can you tell me a little bit about that proposal and who's backing it? So this proposal is aimed at providing aid to people who didn't get it from the federal government in the first round of stimulus. So as you may remember, the feds gave everyone a $1,200 check. People with certain immigration status weren't able to receive that money because they weren't in the IRS's system. They don't have social security numbers and therefore they weren't able to receive this money. Hola, mi nombre es Olga Cruz. Soy una ordeñadora en una granja lechera en Vermont. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Olga Cruz. I'm a dairy farm worker on a dairy farm here in the state of Vermont. In Vermont, the migrant farm worker community and advocates that support undocumented immigrants have been pushing the state to provide aid to those communities because, you know, a lot of those workers, dairy farm workers, for example, have been deemed essential but haven't seen hazard pay, or additional money to help them weather the economic reality of COVID-19. At the beginning, we were very happy to be called essential because we thought that we were going to be included in the federal and state uh, financial support. But it was heartbreaking. It's a heartbreaking moment when we learned that we were excluded from all of this. 
So the governor, you know, sort of heard their call, included this funding in his budget. It's $2 million. The groups that represent undocumented immigrants, chiefly a group called Migrant Justice, are saying that that's not enough money, that, you know, this is just going to be able to help a portion of the people that need help with $2 million, that it basically has to go to up to $5 million. Because while migrant workers continue to work day to day to earn to earn uh, just a little bit of money, others are getting a government paycheck, government support payment throughout the, the entire pandemic. So, you know, the governor's starting a conversation. I think lawmakers are probably open to it, but there are also some other priorities. Um, I know that on the Senate side, the Senate also wants to provide hazard pay to workers who haven't received it yet people that work in grocery stores and retail stores that were working at the beginning of the pandemic during that time of uncertainty, they haven't seen any sort of additional pay to sort of honor that time and honor that risk that they took on. A lot of other workers in the state, particularly healthcare workers, have been able to apply and receive funding through a hazard grant program that passed earlier this year. So there's a lot of priorities, different priorities, and there's very little money to go around and so the decisions that are going to be made in the next few weeks inherently are going to affect one another. And there's inherently not enough money to deal with every ask. What happens next? Well, as with any budget proposal, it starts with the governor. The governor proposes budget. Now the lawmakers are sifting through it, going line by line through it, and determining what they're going to fund, what they're going to not fund, where the cuts are going to have to come in, where the initiatives that, you know, the governor proposed and they proposed are going to sort of fall. The House will pass the budget. The Senate will pass the budget. It'll go back to the governor and we'll have a spending package. And that's going to be playing out over the next four weeks, probably wrapping up at the end of September. But this in general, compared to previous legislative sessions, is a very short turnaround. Usually you have five months to deal with a state budget. Here we have a month. Now, we've already passed a partial budget to fund a quarter of this year, but we're funding the rest of it now, the remaining nine months of the year. And that's, you know, it's a tall task for four weeks' time. Let me ask you this. Given what Jeff Carr was saying a couple weeks ago about the extent of this economic disruption, given that we've got this surplus money to plug that hole this year, how does this set us up for next year? People are saying that next year is going to be a lot tougher than this year. And that's mostly because next year you're inherently not going to see the same kind of surplus that you saw this year because people are going to be paying taxes on this year's economy, you know, this year's earnings. And those are inherently going to be lower because people have been unemployed. People have been struggling writ large in the pandemic. So the projection for the budget deficit next year is about $100 million. Hmm. So you're going to have to figure out how to cover that budget gap without being able to rely on a bountiful surplus that can help soften the blow. And that may mean going into reserve funds, which lawmakers and the governor are probably not going to have to do this year. And that may mean making some more serious cuts that we didn't have to see this year. For the average Vermonter who doesn't follow every turn of the screw of these budget negotiations every year, what do they need to know about how this is going to affect their lives over the next few months and, you know, maybe looking ahead to next year? I think that the governor and lawmakers are recognizing that the budget that the administration has proposed isn't really going to change all that much. It's almost a status quo budget. So I don't think that, you know, there are going to be some 
programs and some pieces that inherently have to be reduced a little bit. But on the whole, the governor is touting this budget as something that doesn't touch essential government programs. So I think for the meantime, state government is going to maintain its average status quo functions. I think that people are really signaling and concerned about next year. Next year is when we might really take a hit. And I don't know what that means for specific programs. I don't think anyone does yet. But that is when you may see a little bit more trouble. Got it. Thanks for the rundown, Xander. I really appreciate it. You bet. You can find all of Xander's reporting on the budget and the special legislative session at vtdigger.org. We've also revived our final reading email newsletter for the special session. Xander and Kit Norton are sending out updates twice a week with all the inside information about the State House, even though nobody is actually inside the State House. It is hands down the best way to keep up with the legislature, and you can sign up for free at vtdigger.org. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger newsroom. See you then. <laughs>